Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Welcome, I'm Monique. Thanks for joining us today. I'm continuing to offer a combination of solo shows and also episodes with guests. And that is based on your feedback. So thank you for that. It sounds like you're enjoying the combination that I'm offering. Today, I'm doing another solo show based on some behaviors I'm seeing with my coaching clients. I will walk you through seven unhealthy behaviors and how they were negatively impacting my clients. Now, these are also known as cognitive distortions. And in a sense, this is when your brain is lying to you. So today you'll be able to understand how to identify these behaviors and then how to alter that mindset. If you find that even one of these behaviors is a habit of yours, then you might be sabotaging your ability to lead effectively. And you'll see that in the examples that I'll be giving today as to how they impacted my clients. So when we, when I talk to you today about these examples, you'll see how my clients sharpened their awareness of these behaviors and how they worked to turn them around. Now, the information I'm giving out today, you'll be able to download from my website in the show notes. So you'll have access to all the seven behaviors I'm going through as well as some tips on how to shift your behavior if any one of these resonates with you. And you can do that at my website at mdconsultingglobal.com and then click on the radio page, go to this episode, and you'll see the downloadable PDF document. And actually, while you're at my website, I'd like to invite you to follow me on social media. You can do that from the website. And also you can subscribe to my blogs that come out twice a month. Those have a lot of good information about how to lead more effectively. And there's also a resource page where you can get a lot of other resources regarding leadership, a lot of tips and strategies and tools. So feel free to do that while you're on the site. We'll also be taking questions today from listeners who will write in throughout the show. So I'll be answering those after each commercial break. Now, in this first segment today, we'll cover three of the seven behaviors, black or white thinking, thinking the worst, and mind reading. At the very minimum, any of the seven behaviors that we'll cover today place you in the mindset of being inflexible. They can cause problems when you communicate with coworkers or clients, and they can inhibit your problem-solving skills. So as I go through these client case studies, think about which behaviors resonate with you. A few of my clients were aware of their behavior, but some weren't. So my goal today is to sharpen your awareness and help you shift into a different mindset. So let's get started. Black or white thinking is the first behavior. Now, this is an and or mentality, and it really represents inflexible thinking. This is a situation where something must be either one way or another. It's all or nothing. There's no gray area and there's nothing really in between. It's as if there are no other options. Many times my client, Tony, caught himself using the words always, never, should, even the words disaster or failure. Words like this are key indicators of black and white thinking. This behavior was impacting him by making it difficult for him to collaborate or brainstorm at work. He just couldn't think outside of the box. 
and his judgment was really clouded. Now, in coaching, Tony brought this up, and the way we resolved this, or at least helped Tony to shift his mindset, because this takes a lot of practice to shift your mindset away from these behaviors. He practiced what we called gray thinking. And we started doing that by having him use words like sometimes, some, at times. So this was allowing him to think a little bit freer. He really changed his vocabulary, and that's something that he could measure because he could just listen to what came out of his mouth. And he also had feedback from other people about this. So he was able to catch himself when he was saying some of those words that represented that inflexible thinking. He also learned to list out other possibilities and other perspectives. So when we're talking about black or white thinking, like I said, there's no gray area for a person that does black and white thinking. So as he listed out other possibilities and other perspectives of the situations that he was in, he was actually creating his own gray area. And the other thing he tried to do was to solicit other people's opinions. And that also helped him realize that there was more to it than just the two options in his head, either one way or another. And when he talked with other people and accepted their feedback and their opinions and was collaborating with them, he was able to see that there really was much more gray and that it was okay to have these gray areas. Now, an example of this for him is that he was offered a new job. And in his mind, there were only two options when he got his offer and the the package that they wanted to offer him. He actually didn't like the package. So in his mind, the only options were to either accept the job and be unhappy with the package or decline and stay where he was, where he was also unhappy. Well, what we worked on in coaching was helping him negotiate the hiring package. So in a sense, there was a gap between what they were offering him and what he wanted. And by coming up with other options and negotiating that hiring package, the goal became to close that gap so that he was happy and the new employer was also happy. So that was great practice for him in a very real example of something that was impacting his life and his job was getting him to see that negotiating or collaborating or brainstorming by doing those things, you are creating your own gray area And that it's possible that within that gray area, it could be a win-win situation. So that is how Tony and I work together in coaching on his black or white thinking mentality. And again, this took a lot of practice and he had to continue to practice because when you are in this mindset, it does take time to catch yourself and shift to other types of wording. Now, the second behavior that I want to go through today is thinking the worst. Now, this is catastrophizing. This is telling the worst case scenario story in your head. And many of us do this. We automatically jump to the worst possible thing that can happen. And then we continue to build on it. So we're telling stories in our head. Now, this behavior showed up for my client, John, whenever there was a big change happening at work. He was actually given this feedback. He was given the feedback that he was being negative. 
So this is something that he didn't even realize he was doing. And maybe some of you can relate to this where you don't really see the way that you're acting outwardly, but others do. And they maybe even give you that feedback, but then you don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to shift your mindset. So that's what was happening in this case with John. He was given this feedback that he was being negative. And as we unpacked it a little bit in coaching, he realized that this was happening because he was really intolerant of uncertainty. And he was in an environment at work where there was constant change. So there was always uncertainty. And he liked things to be very stable, very consistent. He liked to have all the information that he needed. He liked to plan for things in the workplace, plan schedules, and plan what he was going to do with his team. So to be in an environment where there's a lot of uncertainty really caused anxiety for him. He wanted to be in control of the environment. Now, many of you maybe can relate to this. Right now, there's a lot of change happening in organizations, and there are a lot of people feeling uncertain and anxious. So what this was doing for John is that every time a change occurred, he would get anxious and think the worst. So what we did in coaching, I had John bring every, quote, catastrophe to our sessions. So every possible thing that came up for him where he felt that anxiety coming up, he would bring that topic to our sessions. And first of all, it forced him to pay attention to his anxiety because a lot of us are so wrapped up in our day-to-day work that when we are feeling anxious or afraid or unstable, we ignore it. We don't really realize that we're feeling it and then it continues. So I had him bring every catastrophe to our sessions and we created the opposite story. So really it was a storytelling session each time. And we reversed and we reframed the stories that John was telling himself in his head. And we also looked for proof that the catastrophe happened in the past. And what we found when we did that, we found that sometimes John's worst fears did happen in the past, but sometimes they didn't. So sometimes we couldn't find any proof that this so-called catastrophe had happened in the past. And really the lesson here is that whether it did or didn't happen in the past, it doesn't mean that it will happen again. And an example here is that John had an angry client and in the past, what had happened before is that that client broke the contract. The client was so angry that they broke the contract. So anytime Now there was an angry client, John's mind would spin the story that, oh boy, this client is so upset, no matter what I do, they're going to break the contract. And it kept him from problem solving with the client because John would automatically shut down out of anxiety and, and tell himself the worst story. So when this happened again with an angry client in coaching, We worked on how John could work with the client to do the proper problem solving, to turn the situation from the catastrophe in his head to a successful situation. So with that kind of work and with that kind of practice, he was able to slowly shift his mindset away from thinking the worst. The third behavior that I'll go through today is mind reading. This is assuming what someone else is thinking without having much to go on. And my client Susan caught herself doing this when she took action to solve a client's problem. She found herself always just jumping in and resolving the problem before asking 
what the client wanted as a resolution. She assumed what they wanted, but that wasn't always the case. And by then, she had already taken action. And she had done something similar on other occasions. So this wasn't the first time that she would jump in and just assume what the resolution needed to be. So in coaching, we worked on having Susan slow down and not take action so quickly. And in many of the fast-paced environments that everyone's in today, acting quickly is looked upon as a really great thing that you need to just jump in and take action. In Susan's case, that was not a good thing to be doing. So we worked on having her slow down, having her pause before acting, and asking more clarifying questions to validate what other people were thinking. And that exercise in itself helped her because she was not asking enough questions. So she really didn't know what was needed, and that caused her to just jump to conclusions. So it gave her very good practice, not only pausing and slowing down, but to ask questions, which is a form of communication. She asked questions, she had to listen, and then determine what they wanted as a resolution, and then she could take action. If you've just tuned in, I'm presenting some client examples of what we call cognitive distortions. These are unhealthy behaviors that can negatively impact your ability to lead. To identify these behaviors, you've either got to be very self-aware, and actually that's a skill that all leaders should be working on because it's the key to emotional intelligence, or someone might bring the behavior to your attention. Now, you just heard about black and white thinking, thinking the worst, and mind reading, and some ways that my clients shifted these behaviors. Now, remember, you can download all of this information at my website at mdconsultingglobal.com and click on the radio page. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you'll hear about should, must statements and emotional reasoning. I'll also answer a few questions from listeners. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Are you ready to unlock your full potential as a leader? Look no further than MD Consulting. Monique Dagneau, executive coach, best-selling author, and captivating public speaker, is here to guide you towards transformational success. With a global reach, Monique empowers executive leaders and HR professionals through engaging presentations at conferences, team-building activities, and industry gatherings. Monique's mission is clear, to revolutionize workplace behavior. She achieves this not only by coaching a diverse clientele, but also by educating corporate leaders through both virtual and in-person events. Well, thank you so much for being here to help us understand. As a recognized subject matter expert, Monique delves into crucial topics, such as psychological safety, onboarding strategies, effective training methods, and mastering time management skills. Now for a great topic that we're going to delve into. Ready to learn more? Request Monique's Speaker One Sheet or secure her for an engaging speaking engagement by sending an email to monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Don't miss this opportunity to elevate your leadership journey with Monique Daniel and MD Consulting. Unleash your potential today. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com or email monique at mdconsultingglobal.com to take the next step towards transformative leadership. MD Consulting, where success begins. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Monique. In today's show, we're talking about seven behaviors or cognitive distortions that can negatively impact your leadership. Before we cover the next two behaviors, let's take a couple of questions from listeners who've written in. This next question is from Sheila. I find that I catastrophize a lot at work because like your client, I'm really uncomfortable with change. I like your suggestion of creating the opposite story to counteract my catastrophe. What else can I do? Okay, I have written extensively about how to be more adaptable to workplace change because that is many times when the catastrophizing comes up. And as Sheila has mentioned, she's also uncomfortable with change. So what I'm going to do after this show, I'll add some of those resources into the notes for this show. So those will be posted so that you can download those. And again, you can download those at mdconsultingglobal.com and then going to the radio page. But here's a summary of the steps that I take my clients through when they're dealing with change. So first of all, you need to understand the cycle of change so that you can identify your emotions during change. And in the resources, you will, you will see the various cycle of change that I'm talking about, but you need to familiarize yourself with that so that you know which stage you're at when you're going through any kind of change. And that will help you to stay more grounded during change. Two, you need to stay proactively abreast of best practices in your industry regarding change management. That way you can prepare yourself as best as possible in a proactive way. Usually people who have a lot of anxiety with change, they need to be prepared. It's because they can't prepare. That's what's causing the anxiety. So if you're staying abreast on what's happening in your industry and in your company, you'll be able to prepare yourself a little bit better. The third step is that you need to always be analyzing the big picture and get out of the weeds. The more you're in the day-to-day weeds of what's happening at work, the less you will be aware when change actually hits and you'll be blindsided. And four, you need to gather as much information as possible about the impending change. Information will reduce your anxiety. That's what's causing you to catastrophize. The fifth step is to offer to assist with change so that you're right in the middle of it. Don't run from it. Don't be afraid of it. Put yourself right in the middle of it and ask what you can do. Assist. Assist senior leaders assist your team, assist other teams, ask your boss what you can do to help. That will put you in the thick of things. You'll be right there with other people who are going through it. And you'll also be privy to information about the change. So all these steps are outlined in the notes for the show, but I hope this helps. And again, you can download all of this for more details on it. We've got one more question from James. I've been told that I'm a very inflexible thinker. I'm an engineer and have a hard time opening my mind and looking at all possibilities. In meetings, I find myself jumping in and shooting down others' ideas, thinking they just won't work. In these meetings, I don't have time to make a list of other possibilities like you did with your client, Tony. What can I do right in the moment instead of shutting others down? Well, thank you for this question, James. I love that you brought this up. In your case, you need to listen before talking. That is really the only way you're going to see those other possibilities. If you're in a meeting with all these other people, 
and they are offering suggestions and brainstorming, you need to not speak because apparently when you speak, you shut people down right away and you come in with a negative response. So in a sense, you'll be hearing the other possibilities instead of taking the time to list them out, which was the exercise that I did with my client in coaching, having him list out the possibilities. In this case, you'll be right in the moment and you'll be hearing those possibilities. So you just simply need to listen and you'll have to bite your tongue, but give it a try and see if that helps. Okay, that's it with the questions for the moment. And let's jump into two other unhealthy behaviors, should, must statements and emotional reasoning. Now, should, must is similar to black and white thinking. It's inflexible. And some examples of this type of dysfunctional behavior are in a session with my client, Mary said, I should have handled that meeting with the client differently. That's one example of a should must statement or my client Dave's statement to his direct report. You should go to the business event and make a good impression on the company. So you have to use caution before using or even thinking the words should, must, have to, ought to. That's another one. These statements imply a sense of obligation, and they set really high standards, which is a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure that you're putting on yourself or a lot of pressure that you're putting on other people. Now, there are self-directed statements, which is what Mary said to her about herself. I should have handled that meeting with the client differently. So those are self-directed. And those types of statements can cause a lot of shame and guilt on the person. And in this case, that was Mary's situation. And then there's other directed statements, which was Dave's statement to his direct report. You should go to the business event and make a good impression on the company. So those other directed statements can cause resentment in a couple ways. Dave's direct report could have resented him for saying that. And Dave could have resented his direct report if he didn't go to the event. So it's very important that you catch yourself when you're making these statements. So in coaching, here's what I used for both of these clients, Mary and Dave. I used what we call ICE, and it's an acronym. It stands for identify the thought, call it by name, and explore reframing the statement, ICE, I-C-E. Now, here's how it turned out with Mary, with the statement that she made to herself. And again, she said, I, I should have handled that meeting with the client differently. We used ICE and we reframed it so that Mary said, next time, here's what I'll do differently with the client. So you see there's a difference and it really comes down to the wording. Instead of saying, I should have handled it differently, next time, here's what I'll do differently. It takes a lot of pressure off of the person, doesn't put so much um, pressure and really cause guilt and a sense of obligation. Now with Dave, he's the one that made the other directed statement. And what we decided to reframe that as would be, if you go to the event, what are some ways you can impact the company in a positive way? So if you go to the event, what are some ways you can positively impact the company? It's a huge difference rather than his statement, you should go and make a good impression. So again, it takes pressure off of both parties and it creates a lack of obligation. And it's really important that you use ICE to identify the thought, 
call it by name, and then try to reframe the statement. So that is should or must statements. Next, we're going to talk about emotional reasoning. And emotional reasoning is basing decisions or actions on emotions rather than data. And my client, Crystal, had this come up for her because she kept justifying the poor performance of her direct report. And that caused her to delay giving feedback to that direct report. And I see this a lot in coaching. Almost all my clients have direct reports. They manage a team. And I do see a lot of people who are really afraid to give feedback and they justify the behavior of the direct report. They find reasons or excuses for the behavior or they keep extending the timeline of giving the person another chance. And this happens for a couple of reasons, but today, since we're talking about some of these dysfunctional behaviors, I'll continue to focus on that. But I've mainly found two underlying reasons in Crystal's case. Crystal knew that her direct report had a really challenging personal life. The direct report openly shared that with Crystal and with a lot of people on the team. So Crystal felt really guilty about giving any kind of feedback that would possibly impact this person's job. She was actually afraid that if she gave any feedback, it would impact their job and that they might lose their job. Now, that's an assumption which we've talked about previously, making some assumptions and thinking the worst. And so her guilt kept her from being objective. And that's a big piece of emotional reasoning is that you're not objective. You're letting your emotions, in this case, her guilt, keep any kind of objectivity out of it. The other reason that she was having a hard time with this is that she did not like having difficult conversations. She hated conflict. And I see this a lot my, where my clients don't like conflict. They also have guilt. They feel bad about contributing to someone's um, possible job situation or making their personal situation worse. So they justify their behavior. And that is really a, a huge disservice. If, if you're a manager out there and you have a team, you're doing them a disservice if you're not giving them the proper feedback, if you're letting your emotions get in the way. And I've spoken about this before. I've written blogs on this and I've done some YouTube videos on how you can effectively give feedback and not damage the person's motivation so I will also put some of those videos, the links into the show notes to help you with that. But in coaching, we looked at the objective data. So what were the facts surrounding this person's poor performance? And in this case, this person was missing deadlines. They were not contacting clients when they should have been. There, was, there were a lot of facts that were very objective, a lot of data that Crystal was overlooking because of her guilt and because of her emotional reasoning and trying to justify things. So we, she pulled that data and saw it in black and white. Next, we worked on crafting a feedback conversation. So there were two parts to this, finding the data, and then her realizing that definitely there was a problem with performance and she needed to say something. And then we crafted the conversation. 
So in her case, she was able to effectively give feedback to the direct report, back it up with data, with the data that she pulled. And we really had to work hard in coaching to manage her emotions because she was afraid that during the feedback conversation, her emotions would get in the way and that she wouldn't be able to deliver a powerful, assertive message, which is something else I see a lot, that even when someone does give feedback, even when it's a well-crafted feedback conversation, they kind of fold under the pressure of their own emotions. So we worked really hard to keep her grounded during the conversation, and it went very well. The person did not lose their job. And actually, they were very grateful that they had the opportunity to improve. So that's what you'll probably find if you are someone who does emotional reasoning. You've got to realize that you're not being objective by by doing that. Okay, we've just covered two more dysfunctional behaviors, the should-must statements and emotional reasoning. And as we go through these, I continue to encourage you to see if you recognize any of them, if these are behaviors or habits that you have. You've been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. Today's episode is about dysfunctional behaviors and how they impacted some of my clients at work and some tips to shift that behavior. So far, we've covered five of the seven cognitive distortions that can put your leadership at risk. Remember to download all of this information in the show notes section at mdconsultingglobal.com. Click on the radio page. And while you're there, please sign up for my blogs and follow me on social media and check out the other resource page with a lot of other general leadership topics and resources. When we come back from a quick break, we'll cover a few more questions and the last two behaviors filtering and jumping to conclusions. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, Executive Coach Monique Daigneault provides executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Monique talking to you today about seven behaviors that can negatively impact your leadership. Before we dive into the last two behaviors, let's take a few more questions that have come in. This next question, Peter wrote in. I put a lot of pressure on myself by using should, must statements. How can I shift that without a coach? Okay, Peter, thank you for that. And Peter is right because many people do not have a coach or their company doesn't provide that or they can't afford a coach. So my answer to Peter is to practice ICE, which as we talked about is 
identify the thought, call it by name, and explore reframing the statement. So this is something that can be done even without a coach. You reframe how you would have said it differently after the fact. So in coaching, we practice things in advance if possible. And then the person goes into the workplace and practices the skill in an actual situation. But you can't always practice in advance. So in Peter's case, if there's a situation that you've already been through, the key here is to reflect on it and to think back and reframe how you would have said something differently using ICE. So you can reflect on identifying the thought that came up or the word and call it by name and then how it could have been said or thought differently for those should and must statements. So that would be my advice to Peter or anyone out there who doesn't have a coach to practice this with, reframe it after it has happened. And pretty soon you'll have enough practice and you'll be able to catch yourself proactively before something happens. The next question is from Sarah. I'm always fearful and anxious that I'll lose my job. Sometimes my anxiety causes me to make mistakes at work. How can I combat that? So my answer to Sarah is that you have to be careful of creating a self-fulfilling prophecy, which is exactly what's happening if you have anxiety about something, and in Sarah's case, her job, then it can cause mistakes. The anxiety itself causes mistakes, which becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because then you can lose your job. So in this case, Sarah, look for proof that your job is on the line because many of us will know if we have poor performance. We either just can tell that we're not really engaged or we've been told, we've been given feedback. And also the current layoffs that people are going through can cause a lot of anxiety and layoffs usually have nothing to do with performance. So that does cause a lot of anxiety and it's something that you can't always control. So what I tell my current clients who have anxiety about job loss, if it's due to your performance, work with your manager and try to improve. If you're anxious because you're seeing everyone around you getting laid off, there are some very practical things you can do to calm your anxiety. And that would be uh, preparation. I have my clients prepare their resumes in advance. I have them prepare their LinkedIn profile and clean it up. And I have them practice networking. These are really practical things that can help you control your anxiety. It won't help you control whether or not you're getting laid off, but it'll control the anxiety that goes along with that. And that way you can hopefully continue good performance without being so fearful and anxious. So that's the advice I would give to Sarah. Again, if the performance isn't up to par, work with your manager to get it that way. If your performance is where it needs to be and you're still anxious about job loss, work with someone to get your branding documents, resume, LinkedIn, all of that up to date and start networking so that if it does happen to you, you're more prepared. Okay, let's cover the last two dysfunctional thinking patterns, filtering and jumping to conclusions. Filtering is sifting through all the information and focusing only on the negative. Now, there may be plenty of positive information or feedback, but if you're in the habit of landing on the negative, then you're filtering. My client, Julie, did this each time she received a performance evaluation. She took it always out of context. She magnified it. She focused only on the negative, and there was plenty of positive in there. 
And I'm wondering how many of all of you out there do this same thing when you get feedback, especially when it's written in an actual formal performance evaluation. Well, in her case, it it just spun in her head. She focused on the negative. She took it out of context. She magnified it and she made it huge in her head. So she experienced a lot of anxiety and self-doubt after a performance evaluation. So in coaching, we worked on focusing and discussing the positives in her review. Now that helped put kind of a reframing on the situation. And I helped her to see where she could point out all the positives in her performance. Plus, we worked on something called accomplishment statements. And I work with people a lot on these. I've also did some videos. um, I've created some videos and written some blogs on accomplishment statements. These are value statements. We use them in resumes. We use them on LinkedIn. I use them to help people overcome imposter syndrome. And these are statements that start with a really powerful verb, like accomplished, created, executed, developed, trained, mentored, designed. And then they have some kind of a metric, a value metric within that statement. How many people, how much money, how much time, what percentage of efficiency. And we worked on these together in our sessions so that she could really understand the value that she was bringing to an organization. And once we did this, her anxiety relaxed a bit, her self-doubt relaxed, and she knew that she was a value to the organization. So those are some things that could be worked on. If you are one of those people that have a lot of anxiety and you do filtering, you pull out only the negative, we can reverse that for you and help you to understand the positives and help you to work on accomplishment statements so that you are validating your value to the company. The final dysfunctional behavior is jumping to conclusions. Now, this is similar to mind reading, and it's about thinking that you know the future outcome of something. When you are mind reading, you're focused on someone else and what they might say or do next. So it's very easy to jump to conclusions when you're just trying to predict the outcome of a situation. And that's what we want to try to reverse here. In coaching, we have to look at the data or proof that something will happen in a certain way. And this is where we go back to trying to find the data. If you're jumping to conclusions and you look for data, and then if there is no data to prove your conclusion, then you need to withhold your assumption. So it's a matter of training your mind to wait, slow down and pause, gather the information that you need, and then come to some kind of a conclusion. So even if it happened a certain way before, there is no indication that it will happen that way again. And we talked about this in the previous segment. It may have happened before, but that doesn't mean it will happen again. So you always have to treat every situation as a fresh situation and not that it's automatically going to happen the same way it did before. And that will help you to practice shifting that mindset from jumping to conclusions. And that could get you in quite a bit of trouble at work if you are jumping to conclusions. So you need to catch yourself again and slow down and really monitor your own thoughts. Sometimes our thoughts can be the most dangerous thing in our head. And that's what I meant at the beginning of this episode when I said that cognitive distortions are pretty much your your brain lying to you. And we have to pay attention to that. 
So we have just gone over two of the seven dysfunctional behaviors. We've covered seven altogether today in this complete episode. And I'm wondering which ones you can relate to. I would be really interested to know, and I encourage you to email me at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com and let me know which ones, there may be one, there may be several that you can relate to. And sometimes within one situation, you might find yourself dealing with more than one of these cognitive distortions. And if they aren't addressed, your leadership is at risk. And so is your career trajectory. These are the kinds of things that senior leaders look at in people, these kinds of behaviors. So remember, your behavior is modeled in front of your team, and the team inadvertently picks up your subtle cues and starts modeling the same behavior throughout the rest of the organization. So a strong leader sets a really good example, which means as a leader, you need to monitor your thoughts, monitor your emotions, and make sure that you are grounded when it comes to these kinds of behaviors. So I would encourage you after this episode to check out the radio show page on my website, again, at mdconsultingglobal.com, and then click on the radio page where you can download the notes from this show and really start to pay attention to your emotions and your thoughts. And I'd also encourage you while you're there to sign up for my blog that comes out twice a month, follow me on social media, and check out all of the other resources that are on the resource page. You've been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. It has been great talking to you today. We'll talk again next week And until then, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.